0: Well, the first thing that I've always believed in is the power of connectivity. You talk to someone else who, who's been through that. If you're angry at your partner because you've changed physically and you can talk to someone else, they might be able to make you aware that it's that you're changing your mental aspect because your physicality changed a little bit. And it, it's the same thing when you look at it. Fear is only fear until you conquer it.
1: This is Joe Millage, and you are listening to the Amputee Strong Podcast. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Amputee Strong Podcast. Today we have Joe Millage. Joe is a para coach and a respected leader and communicator who helps individuals and organizations achieve exceptional results. He helps individuals with physical challenges, participate in sports, and achieve goals that they did not realize they could achieve before. Here is Joe. I'm sure you will enjoy this episode.
0: My name is Joe Millage. I, um, I've been a para coach for um, just over 40 years. Um, I actually started coaching when I was in university and uh, into coaching rugby and hockey and other sports at a high level. And then a couple of my athletes through injury ended up with um, disabilities. And I found that coaching them challenged my coaching ability because I, I had to think differently. I had to think of how they could maximize their capacity. And that turned me on to para-coaching. And uh, I've had great success and met some incredibly good people along the way and have enjoyed every step of it
1: that's uh, beautiful because you know joe as we know on the amputee journey very much of it depends on the personality type of um, the person but when we talk about athletes and people that are just very physically active and then something happens either through trauma or you know it's a, a condition they were born with the need to become active uh, is in their DNA. And what we have seen over time was that some amputees are not really aware of the possibilities and the opportunities that are out there for them to try first different types of sports, and then that there is some sort of a, a path that they can actually pursue if they're interested in the competitive Uh, Journey, Can you talk a little bit about that on how you started your path as a para coach and then how you saw amputees find sports in their life as a vehicle to uh, really deal with their condition, but also create something new?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I I guess the the first thing is that most amputees um, didn't start out that way. So they are very often people who have had strong athletic backgrounds, very active living uh, histories as they got involved. My first uh, friendship with, with an athlete who happened to be an amputee um, was a teammate playing rugby, uh, Kenny Mulgrew, who lost his hand in a tragic accident uh, while he was in last year of high school. And he went on and played. He was still with with missing a hand, and he didn't use a prosthesis. He was a, a very successful defensive back with the University of Toronto varsity football team, and he played rugby at an all-ontario level. So I, I I think that you know looking at that, I never saw that there was a difference. What I saw was where excellence was possible, and you start talking to people about how how they do that, um, how they you know if you want to coach somebody, whether it's in you whether it's in hockey or whatever else. You start to look at it and you say, what is their potential? The difference when someone does have any kind of special need is just analyzing that question from their perspective and then helping them get to where they want to be.
1: Right. And, and can you tell us a little bit about the options? Um, you are in... Canada, of course, so this is, you know, we have an international audience here, but can you maybe shed a little bit of light of how Canada has created uh, the accessibility sport options for amputees, and what have you seen that was uh, successful on that level?
0: I'm trying to think of a sport where success wasn't, (laughs) didn't happen, Um, and I think that the amputee population, as far as being a coach, is one of the easier ones to deal with, and it's because you're just dealing with a physical change. And if someone, as you've mentioned earlier, if someone has a competitive spirit, it's still there. So all you have to do is help them figure out how they do it. So if you're talking about someone who, um, one of the athletes that um, I was also still I'm very very close to, was one of Canada's preeminent wheelchair basketball players, and he lost his leg in grade eight to cancer, and he was one of Canada's first. It was a Van Ness amputation, um, or commonly referred to as a rotation plasty. And there, there were some differences because we had to look at the tolerance of the modified limb in his training. He was um, as intense an athlete as I have ever coached in any sport of anything else and so what he had to do was at first while he was still actually going through chemo in the healing process he had to back off a little bit to not injure that limb but we learned a lot and uh i can say that uh 30 years later he's uh he's still doing very very well
1: yeah we see these um stories of Amputees that have chosen sports as their, you know, vehicle for excellence, and the tremendous effect that that has in in their lives, you know, some of our listeners here are probably we don't know in which stage they are. Some of them are early stages, some of them are in more advanced stages. But what I found again and again uh, talking with our community is that there is not enough information of what they can actually do or pursue can you share a little bit about what what options are available for someone who is seeking to get back into sport or try sports um, as an amputee
0: yeah, you know it's it it may sound too generic when i say that really they can get back into anything um on on saturday the the ontario amputee hockey team was was practicing um and again on that team they have people playing ice hockey with uh who are, who are missing a leg they have people who are missing an arm they have people who who might be you know in the arm may be a wrist it may be above elbow the leg may be above knee or below knee um but for a lot of people when they're coming through hospital if they've liked hockey if they were canadian and like that sport they would automatically think the only sport option available to them anymore uh, might be sled hockey or para ice hockey. Uh, that's not the case. Um, I have seen people. Uh, Dan Leonard uh, was, I believe, the first amputee to complete the Ironman uh, triathlon. Um, you've mentioned yourself that you're into motorsport racing on, on bikes and stuff, and there really is now there's there's ways to solve. Problems. There are ways, and with the internet, we can see how some of those have been done. If someone has to have a special grip made so that they can hold a golf club, um, but we are seeing. I mean, I, I play golf routinely with Greg Westlake, who is the captain of the Canadian Sledge Hockey team. But he also he he is as a double leg amputee. He is one of the longest hitters that I play golf with. He is routinely over 300 yards off the tee. That being said, it, it, it's amazing how he can play sidehill lies and other things when he does not get feedback from his ankles. The rest of us rely on that. So really, any sport, um, I, I think you'd be uh, you'd be hard pressed. Uh, two weeks ago, Erin Ball is a lady who lives in Kingston, Ontario, who was a a very high level performer in circus arts, and she lost both her legs. Um, below knee in, in, a, in an accident and continues to practice and teach circus arts as a double leg amputee, and, and she's phenomenal at it. Her grace and her power, and it was so cool, I brought her in to teach a group of kids during the March break camp that we ran. And when the kids saw her scurrying up the silks, and, and normally people would lock their legs on the silk to help lift them, She can't do that. She literally pulled herself up with her arms. And the only comment that you heard from these kids whose jaws dropped, the kid just goes, wow, pure power. But I mean, it shows there's, I honestly think where there's a will, um, there's a way to, to be involved and a way to seek excellence on your terms. And it's not that everyone has to see themselves competing at National or international level, it might just be getting back out with your friends and being able to ride a bike on a path on the weekend or, you know, whatever that means to them.
1: Yes, it's exactly uh, the personal concept of what it is that you should do or can do or want to do. I find that in the initial stages is a little bit confusing. And you've touched on, you know, the mindset part which is a great segue to what I would love to explore with you now uh, if you don't mind because you know a lot of the work that I have done personally of course to deal with my situation recovery and, and in general how we navigate life I personally believe that about 80% of it is related to mindset and how we approach certain challenges in life be those physical challenges and therefore we talk about the amputee community, but those challenges can happen in any other area of life. And for you, Joe, as a coach, working with mindset and working with how do you build a very strong foundation to manage challenges and to increase performance, can you share your insights on that, and especially when you work with amputees, how you found them dealing with it?
0: Yeah, well, there's two things that come to mind immediately. And one is that, you know, so often when people talk about disability, disability is a social construct. And what I mean by that, it's it's often how others perceive us. It's not what we can do, it's what they think we can do. So one is, you know, focusing on the positive helps to break that down. Um, It helps to change attitudes. The other is our own attitude. And when you look at people who have come through for generations, so first of all, I guess you would go back to long before we were on this planet, um, you know, there there was a function. If a sailor lost a leg or if there was an industrial accident, they they would do what they could to help them move. But during our lives, it, it went to where, prosthetics were meant to be pleasing, tried to look like a typical limb. So what I remember when Flexfoot first came out, it looked like a real foot and you could get the polymers to even try and match your skin tone. Whereas now, and I I think that Terry Fox had a lot to do with it when he just became this national hero and people saw him running across the country they were more amazed by what he could do than the fact that that he physically happened to be an amputee, Um, the fact that he ran every day, the fact that he ran those long distances. And consequently, we we got away from, you know, oh, does does that limb or prosthetic mirror what used to be there Um, and got into something more about function? And to that point, I mean, last year I wrote an article saying that the blade runners will be able to far outperform um, natural runners in the future just because of the efficiency that they can construct blades. I don't, when it comes to running, I don't think they'll get out of the blocks any quicker. But I think in longer races that blade runners could have a huge advantage. And again, the, the diff, difficulty becomes when someone uses a single blade, and how, how do you tune your natural leg to keep up with your artificial leg, or vice versa, becomes an issue.
1: Yes, but does. again,
0: you know, there's. I, I see children now. I was at a, a camp uh, two months ago, and the kids who came in, they their artificial foot did not like it was a blade. And they were, they were absolutely cool with it. It wasn't that it looked like, you know, someone might look at them at first and say, oh, it's different. And incidentally, one of, one of those two kids who came in, their favorite sport is surfing. And they live in Toronto. Come to Toronto sometime and go and try and find a wave. <laughs> but this girl, she just loves it. And she goes to this wave pool and she goes to California and it's, it's what she lives to do. That and dance. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yes, and and this is the transition, right, from um, form to function. And now all of a sudden, all these opportunities are open to do different types of sports. Even for myself, when I went back to running, then just what you just mentioned here, let alone learning to run again, but now how do you deal with an artificial limb that can sometimes outperform your able-bodied limb and find the right balance between them? And it was the same situation with riding motorcycles and trying to adopt to different types of activities from, you know, skiing and climbing and and all sorts of things. And I do think that it is a very special time where not just equipment is available, but also the information is available as well, right?
0: Yeah, there's, you know, and, and it is the information. It's what you are doing right now, right? Like literally anybody... In, in most parts of the world can pick up this podcast. If you're looking for information, you can find it. So if if somebody, you know, wants to put information out there, like, you know, gee, how have you rigged it? If you lost your, your left leg and you need to change gears on a motorcycle, how do you do that? Um, I'd be willing to bet someone can find an answer for that in probably five minutes.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of it. and And this is why when we try to understand how to cope with different situations and how to adjust to them. The information is out there. The second issue that comes to mind is, you know, information is one thing, but then we talk about the ability to actually implement and, and use uh, that inner strength to deal with the challenge because it does take a lot of inner strength to, Get back into activity, and then learn how to adjust to it and deal with all the discomfort that comes with it, and all these adjustments. So maybe you can uh, share a little bit from your perspective, you know, as a coach and and somebody who's been with this community for so many years. What have you seen that helped um, people to get back into sports, and then when they when they chose their favorable sport? What are the challenges that you've seen mostly?
0: Well, I think that the the biggest thing is, is you know, one is do, most people when they've incurred any kind of significant trauma, when they're trying to return to active living or to become more active, if it was a child born with a the situation, they, the first thing they have to be able to do is envision what excellence means to them. You know, does does excellence mean that you're going to go golfing with your buddies on Saturday morning? Does excellence mean that you're going to go for a, a, a recreational ride? Does it mean you're going skiing? Does it mean you're playing volleyball or sitting volleyball or going? Whatever that means to you, you have to envision it. Secondly, you're going to run into issues about the comfort of other people in seeing you if you look a little bit different. The truth is people get over that in a hurry, but at first it's something most people are concerned with. Um, and the third thing comes into, you know, the relationship you have with your prostheticist that fit, you know, that as you become more fit, your stump is going to change shape a little bit. Um, if you have skin issues, they can be, they, they can really hurt you if it means you can't wear your your limb for a little while or something. So you, you have to work with Training becomes a team activity. The neat thing is that for people who perform on the highest stage, it always has been. But for the recreational athlete, they're just kind of accustomed to doing everything on their own. And they really do have to look after themselves, especially if you're someone who is moving from a state of less musculature to becoming stronger are one of having more body mass and becoming more fit and losing some body mass, the fit of your, of your limb and that is going to change.
1: Yeah. So you, so you're touching a point where for a lot of people it seems to be a, almost like a blind spot because what does it mean to be comfortable wearing your prosthesis is something that, is difficult to compare to what comfort looks like, right? It's not like you have two pairs of shoes and you can say, oh, this pair of of shoes is more comfortable than the other. And sometimes this idea of how to determine the comfort level within your prosthesis uh, becomes almost a benchmark to what you can actually do. Right. I remember from my early days uh, walking for half an hour straight was, was a huge effort and the discomfort has, has been big, a big part of it. Not necessarily why I couldn't walk more. It was the discomfort in my socket that created that and learning how to adjust and work with a uh, um, a prosthesis and all these adjustments have taken, you know, It's taken a long time to find what does work and what doesn't. And at the end, I think you have to adjust to a certain level. And when we talk about sports uh, for yourself, have you seen that for athletes, there is a certain level where they say, this is what I can do based on comfort and that stops them? Or is it always workable and you can always get more and more comfortable so you can do more? (laughs)
0: Again, um, <laughs> as we're talking, the NHL playoffs are going on, and I'm going to suggest that there's there's no player on the first two lines on any team who's comfortable anymore. <laughs> They're all hurting. They're all there um, at the elite level. You know, if you were on the Tour de France, yeah. I am pretty sure that after the first few days, you're sore and stiff, and you. But you look you look after yourself, and some people, you know, the cost of of having a massage therapist work with you, of having someone who can can work with you, monitoring your skin or helping you with your flexibility, and you look at some of the things. I mean, I'm working with a couple of men who are on the national sitting volleyball team now, um, very good athletes, but they're and they take their limbs off when when they play, but. One of them, when he's walking now, there is no gait difference. When he's wearing long pants and you're watching him walk, you would never think that there was, that he was wearing prosthetic legs. Um, and, you know, you look at that and you look at other people, especially some of the older people who've had a certain model and they may have a hip swing that brings that leg around to the front. And it does show. And, you know, it's not only the comfort with your prosthetics, but is there a comfort in removing your prosthetics? Is there a comfort? Erin Ball, as I have mentioned, she takes off her legs to perform. And her legs, by the way, now, they're very, I'm sure they're very well-made prosthetics, but she also has, the front of them are literally pieces of art that are, are, are wonderful. So you, you, you cover the whole gamut of it. Um, you know, is, is there something for you that that makes sense? And and that's really all that matters. You're the first person that has to be pleased with how you move and how you look and and what you do. But the one thing that I see across the board, with, I'm trying to think of an exception to it, is that when someone performs at a higher level, they are more comfortable just being themselves. And that means if, if they want to take off their prosthetics at night and sit and relax and and that they're comfortable doing that in front of their buddies because they, their life is focused on excellence. Um, the truth is disability doesn't come into their vocabulary very often.
1: Yes. And and that is a, a great point as well. Maybe you can um, share a little bit more about that because when we, when we talk about excellence, you know, it, it's different for different people. What, have you seen that made a difference when athletes choose to live a life of excellence despite their challenges and everything else that goes through their day-to-day? Well,
0: first of all, I don't see a difference between elite athletes with who have disabilities, whether they happen to use wheelchairs or whether they have prosthetic limbs or anything else, and any other elite athlete. I think that excellence is their main motivator. That being said, there are countless tiers below that. You know, if if you want to be uh, one one man that uh, um, I have the pleasure of uh, working with once in a while now, he really, his, his life objective is to make it to the Paralympics. He really wants to do that. And he has to juggle um, you know, the kinds of jobs that he has because they allow him to train the way he needs to train. But that's a very similar story to anybody on the national bobsledding team or or anything else. They all make those sacrifices in order to find their success.
1: Yes.
0: But those are for people at the very top of the pyramid. Below mm-hmm. them, there's there's, as much as people are different, there's different attitudes, right? So there's... And that's part of the fun of coaching, especially when you get into team sports, is trying to bring all those attitudes together and, you know, looking at the people who are very verbal and call others out and looking at the people who are quiet and introspective. And but coaching that with, uh, you know, a junior hockey team or a university rugby team or a wheelchair basketball team is the same. It's just bringing your team together.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a, a beautiful way to put it. And Joe, have you encountered sometimes situations where uh, people with disabilities have chosen sports to prove themselves that they can do it uh, and therefore have created some sort of a inner motivation that is much deeper than just uh, you know a success in a, a certain sport. It was more to prove themselves that they can do things.
0: The answer is 100% yes, I have, but I see it every bit as often in athletes without disabilities. And first of all, I don't even feel comfortable saying that because I think that every athlete is aware of their limitations and you could consider that a limit, uh, a thing. So, you know, I'm five foot six and played hockey at a very highly competitive level. I was usually the shortest guy on the ice. So did I, did I use hockey to literally rise above my stature? Sure I did. You know but and it's the same thing if you're if you look at a a six foot two basketball player if he's playing at a high level, he's still the shortest guy on the court right so when you look at that there's there's no difference I mean excellence starts to prove how can you do it where I have seen it that it's the toughest and I just ran into this a month and a half ago where a child running with a school cross country team because they were awkward. They were very, very good considering their level of functional ability, but the teacher didn't know that and the teacher was comparing them to people who could easily do different things. So when you, when you look at that, um, Jeff Thiessen, who I think you will may have on your podcast at some point in the future. Is a very good friend. He's an incredibly good business person. He's a Paralympian. He's a world record holder. But he tells the story of when he lost his arms, both arms above the elbows, and he lived in a community where he had been a competitive hockey player, and that the community rallied around him and made him hands and made him holders for his stick. But he knew he couldn't achieve the level of excellence he wanted, so he went back and convinced his dad that that soccer may be a much better alternative for a child without arms. Um, and then he went on to be a very good soccer player as well. But there there are things that you look at. There's decisions you made, but in, inevitably, and it, it doesn't matter whether you want to make the best podcast in the world or whether you want to be a world champion in something else. Um, it's about dedication to your craft. And, you know, um, limb loss, sorry, it really doesn't have anything to do with that you can still achieve excellence on your terms at the very, very highest level.
1: Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Because we find so many times that uh, early on the stage of this amputee journey, when people, you know, I I can share with you something personal for myself. Uh, For me, after the uh, car accident, when I realized that my leg will not perform ever properly or cannot be fixed and the elective amputation Uh, came about as a an avenue that I wanted to pursue with I felt as if everything was taken away from me I will never be able to run again or play tennis again or basketball or do all the things that I love to do because I thought at the time and again this is you know mindset and 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 exposure to uh, what is possible wasn't in my vocabulary I saw certain things on you know, YouTube and other social media that show you the uh, high level of, of specific activities. But personally, you think, oh, maybe I cannot do it. And maybe you can share a little bit about how people that are not interested in getting into the competitive level sports, but how they can enter into this world of parasports in a way that is not intimidating or that they feel that if they start something, they have to be competitive. How can they start in a more uh, gentle way? Let's put it this way. This
0: is, you know, what I, as I'm thinking about the words in my own head, it, I, I, it's interesting that what comes out of that is it's time to become a little bit selfish. That allow it to be about you, about what you want. Um, one of the best quotes that I had, and that, you know what, it's funny, I've, I've been keeping track of some of the names that I'm thinking of while I'm talking to you, and I'm now up to about 40 um, amputees who have competed. But one of the young men who is now a rapper, um, his name is Shane Smith, and he's got a, a Limb, L-I-M-B, Limitless uh, video that people should go and watch. Uh, Access Denied is the name of it, I think. But but Shane is a brilliant young man. And one of the things that's quite interesting, he lost his limbs at a very, very young age. He was an infant. But him and his mother decided that anything was possible. And where Shane shocked most of the other kids that he hung out with was that I'm going to say, I, I've known two or three or four of the women that he's dated starting when he was a teenager. And they have been amongst most beautiful women in his school. But when one of them was questioned by another athlete on the team, an athlete who happened to have a head injury, so the filter wasn't there and they were going to ask whatever question they wanted. And the athlete said, why are you going out with him? And her answer was perfect. And it was, well, he had the confidence to ask me out. And I really like who he is. And, To me, that's success that, you know, I want to talk to people who are interesting to talk to, and it's pretty rare that someone who doubts themselves all the time and wants to put themselves down comes across as, as being that competent, interesting person that I want in my life.
1: confidence yes that's the the most attractive attribute uh, you know anyone can have and i think this is the the first thing that most people lose uh, when they are faced with um, you know a physical challenge and amputation and building that confidence uh, how would you describe using sports as an avenue to do that
0: okay so now you've come right into my belly with you're right in the right what I love to do the most and the simplest thing is we set reasonable goals and we acknowledge achieving them and I can tell you without hesitation that if I wanted to be the most successful coach around I would look for 35 year old women who are saying that they would like to become more fit because they will follow a program and they will say hey You know what? Last week I was able to do five of these and this week I can do six. Great. I'm going to go and have a glass of wine with my friends and a glass of water and I'll be back tomorrow. Whereas the guys, especially if they were athletes, and you ask them to do five of something and they want to show you that they can do 15. (laughs) And two weeks later, the guys are hurt and can't do anymore and the women are progressing. And I hate to say that as a sexist thing, but it's by experience. And when you look at it, it's the same is for people to you know if you're going to go back to skiing yeah you got to start on the bunny hill you got to make sure you got your balance you got to make sure you got your equipment set up correctly you know if, if you're going to go back to riding a motorcycle you, you might start on a track but you're not going to be racing right away and measure those small successes and use those to escalate you to setting the next one, because then the next one's going to be real. Um, I don't know whether you know who Jeff Adams is, but he's one of Canada's top Paralympic athletes ever. Um, I had the pleasure of coaching him as a junior wheelchair basketball player, but he's a multi-marathon record holder. He's uh, He won the gold medal when uh, track was wheelchair track was first introduced at the Commonwealth Games in Victoria. And Jeff, at one conference that we were at, someone was speaking about, oh, you know, dream it and you can achieve it. And Jeff's answer to that was, what a crock of shit. (laughs) Because if that was the case, we would all have won the lottery. If that was the case, we would all, you know, we all dream about these things. But the people who, it's one thing to conceive it, and it's another thing to go and work for it every day to make it happen. You know, I can't say that I want to get better at something and, and then not care about what I eat or what I put in my body and, and how I measure the, the food and the energy output and where I sleep and do I get enough sleep and do, am I focused on it? So, yeah, it's, it's good to have dreams. It's good to conceive of high things. But in order to go out and work every day to get to it, you have to have a realistic plan. And if that plan is too aggressive in the first part, you're gonna get hurt and then you'll quit. Or you'll get hurt a bunch of times and then you'll quit. And then the better you get, the harder it is to get better. That when you get close to that level that you know your body is capable of, you have to work harder at that point to get to the next step. At first, you know, it's easy for everyone to escalate a little bit because you're a novice, you're you're just getting back to the skills. So you can say that, that, oh, you know what, I I got a new leg. So, gee, I'm pretty happy to just be able to walk on it. Well, okay, now I got walking. What's next? Well, I'd like to try running or I'd like to try dancing or I'd like to, you know, be able to get on my motorcycle and go or get on my bicycle and go. And that's, that's, it's having a plan that is realistic that allows you and, but to step back and, and recognize every step that you achieve and feel good about it. And feel good about yourself and be a little bit selfish in how you do that and don't let others put you
1: down. (laughs) That is so wonderful because you know I have um, created a program called amputee strong which is a lot of it has these elements of how do you chart a path that you can actually follow and put a realistic plan in place. And do it step by step. Because we've seen this again and again. And for you with your experience in sports and the way that you just described it is is so beautiful. Because, And I do agree with you about the difference in mentality between men and women. Uh, I've seen it in my own life. Uh, I'm an A-type personality, a high achiever. You always set up the highest goals out there and then you just go all out. And sometimes, yes, you... Totally push it too much, and you injure yourself, or something happens, and now you're you have to uh, stop or delay, and that starts a whole snowball of emotional issues, right? Because now there is uh, uh, self-acceptance issues, or there is uh, disappointments, or shame, or guilt, whatever the case may be, and that can actually stop you from achieving whatever it is that you want. So, Joe, for our listeners here, maybe you can. You've shared the uh, top view of of how to address something like this, but maybe you can help them with providing some sort of uh, an entry-level uh, program or a, a, a path that they can start with. Because some of our listeners are still very sedentary. They are afraid to take the first step. They are afraid to you know, even leave the house and walk 20 minutes away because they are afraid maybe coming back would be more difficult. How would you try and help them on that level?
0: Well, the first thing that I've always believed in is the power of connectivity. So, you know, if if you talk to someone else who's been through that, you know, if, if you're angry at your partner, because you've changed physically and you can talk to someone else, they might be able to make you aware that it's, that you're changing your mental aspect because your physicality changed a little bit. And it's, it's the same thing when you look at it. Um, fear is only fear until you conquer it. You know um, if, if you look at it and um you're nervous about it you you have reason to be scared you've been hurt very significantly you've you your your body has been altered permanently but that being said look look to levels of look to the people who are doing what you want to do and decide that you want to achieve it more than you gain from being scared of it so I mean, you can go back to it that that if you were someone who was going to run and you don't just want to go around in a little circle, well, you might have a friend and say, hey, why don't you drive two blocks and um, I can get in the car there. If I want to go another block, I'll I'll get in the car there. But make sure that you've got your supports. Um, Make sure that you're looking at things and checking them so that you, you have all the stuff to succeed um, you know, set your goals appropriately that, you know, okay, here I can do something in a safe environment. If if it was gymnastics, right. And it wouldn't matter who's doing gymnastics. Everyone starts in gymnastics, at least every good gymnastics program starts with a spotter. If you're going to be doing somersaults and cartwheels and other things, there's someone there to support you. So do the same. When you're talking about something something else, I mean, Steve Bailoas is one of the top wheelchair basketball coaches in the world, and players now have to learn to compete at a high level. They have to learn to tilt, to go up on one wheel. It's a very scary thing, and you are going to fall when you do it, but most of the time, you're just going to get back up and do it again, you know, and you can't... You can't let it get in your way if you're, you know, th- think of the first time. Again, I'm going back to your when I learned to drive a standard car, the first time I did it, I popped the clutch, and installed the car a couple of times. If I had quit and thought, oh, I'll never do this, I would never have had the fun of driving some of the sports cars and other things that I've driven that were standards. So you have to you have to say, okay, listen, one, it's okay to fail, but two Don't fail stupidly. Don't put yourself out on a limb from which there's no return. You start, you test your body, and you test yourself in a safe environment, which might be going for a walk with a friend. You know, it it might be um, just making sure that there's support there and that if you have done something and say, okay, I want to go and see if I can walk a quarter mile, you take a bottle of water with you and you, you stop, 200 yards in and have a little drink of water, assess how you feel, and then you take on the next 200. Hope that makes sense. And kind of the way I do it.
1: It does. It does. And I think being realistic about setting up those goals and, and really doing it step-by-step and not trying to overshoot at the beginning, because that can create, uh, you know, an entire situation where you will just not try again. And, Maybe we can touch towards the end of this uh, podcast today, touch on the role of physical activity and nutrition of and how important it is to really not just learn about it, but to actually use it in order to get results. And we're, And I would love you to touch on it, not just for athletes, but also for, you know, the ordinary person. Because what we have seen over time is that, the sedentary lifestyle that uh, unfortunately a lot of amputees feel that this is all they have tend to sip into you know the nutrition side of things and lack of physical activity, and all of that accumulates to become a very difficult situation to work with, so maybe you can touch a little bit here about the the power that physical activity and nutrition has in not just recovery, but actually moving forward.
0: Yes, I'm sure there's a ton of your listeners who know a lot more about nutrition than I do. But what I can say is that when we get into certain habits, if, we, if you were someone who had a certain energy level and that is training because you've been forced to be inactive for a while, but you like the feeling you had, you tend to try and reach out and get that feeling by, say, drinking more coffee or coffee with sugar in it. Because it gives you that temporary lift, um, and if you start looking at what you can do through physical activity, and how physical activity actually, in many ways, curbs your appetite because it burns what's what's part of you. If you get into fat metabolism, you do other things that that just make you feel better. Um, but you have to experience that. Um, there are, you know, a lot of very good. Um, access points to look at that but we get into it so so whether it's physical activity whether it whether it's the type of food you eat whether it's the type of substances that you put in your body um you know there's reasons that we do things. and a lot of them change when you become more physically active um you know your are ev- everything and you're talking about your how your organs respond to things and they respond to Uh, more water that if you that if you're being far more physically active you need to make sure that you're getting enough hydration as much as anything you know you need to make sure that you look after yourself and it can really become fun to go online to look at things okay what are the what are my alternatives here you know maybe you don't like cooking but you realize that you can get away from fast foods. You can get away from things that are deep fried. You can get away from things that clog up your metabolism, slow you down, and absorb your energy instead of creating energy. So it's, uh, it, it, it's amazing what can happen with with just a change in diet. I mean, I can speak to that. And again, it has it has not it has nothing to do with your again It has everything.
1: yeah that 's an area that we all really need to concentrate more on, and it 's something that just aids not just on the physical level but we we have found also uh, many times on the mental level as well, just as you said, sometimes we gravitate to certain foods for the emotional uh, experience we uh, we we're, we're wanting, and yet at the same time uh, stepping away from those uh, nutrients and allowing the body to work with something much more substantial will allow us to take that energy and, and basically do something beneficial with it instead of just uh, having a sugar crash after, uh, you know, we ate, um, ice cream or something like that. So that, that is, that is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe, to, uh, finish this, uh, episode, uh, first of all, I really want to thank you for, um, come to the forefront here and sharing with us um, your experience. And if people would like to learn more about what you do or what is available for them, where should they go?
0: Well it's probably going to be easiest for them to contact you through Amputee Strong and you can you have my permission to give my email out or my phone number out to anybody who would like to con- connect with us. Um, I also think it's important that people look at their story, and I don't mean their whole life, but if you break it down and say, what's my story going to look like for the next two months? And and write out what you are going to do on a given day at the beginning of that day. If you don't achieve it all, that that's fine, but at least you know what you're looking forward to, and you know that you're making a plan, and you're looking at doing it. But include others. I would love to hear from your listeners. I I would love them to, you know, if they're in the Toronto area, if they're coming up this way to connect them with the people that are here that are doing activities Um, for the first time, we're going to have sitting volleyball at the Canadian volleyball championships. We just did it at the provincial championships here. And it was so cool to see um, all the athletes joining in and trying it. Um, it was phenomenal, and I mean, one of the best examples of that is a lady, Jennifer Oates, who's playing in the Okanagan for the uh, University of British Columbia Heat. Who, as a varsity volleyball player, lost her leg in a traumatic a- accident, and is back playing varsity volleyball. It's a great story, but I, we would like to hear from from your listeners, who are the who I want to hear their stories. You know, they're writing their own story. Their life should be the most exciting thing to them right now. And I would love if they'd feel like sharing that with them.
1: Wow. Thank you, Joe. This is a great way to uh, finish our podcast. I uh, thank you once again. And for our listeners, in the show notes, we will have all the resources, links, um, stories, and and other information that we covered here so uh, they can have access to it. So, Joe, once again, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Well, my friends, this has been another wonderful conversation. Joe is a great mentor and a coach. And if any of you want to reach out to him, you will have his contact information and other subject that we spoke about in the show notes. So go to eresavramov.com forward slash podcast and you can find all the information there. And as always, my friends, in order to spread the word and get this podcast to as many fellow amputees and others please jump into iTunes, give us a review, and share this podcast with others. I will see you guys next time. All the best.